You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Kineski, and welcome back. Uh, and we are buzzing into episode 149 today. Coming up on a milestone. Yeah. Almost 150. As usual, before we get into all the really cool, uh, edgy, fun native plant stuff, uh, we have a little bit of follow-up to do. We do. We do. So the first one is a little birdie told us it's one of our listeners' birthdays. So we thought we would start off by wishing uh, Brad the dad or or uh, Brad Madrinsky. You waited for me to say it, didn't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was really waiting for you to sing. But. <laughs> no. No, I guess happy birthday is you don't get charged anymore. I think it's beyond its licensing or, or copyright. Oh, for, yeah, the, you used to have to yeah. pay. I don't think we. Have I don't to think do anyone that. actually paid. <laughs> Did anyone? I pay? don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe there was a big happy birthday crackdown. Yeah, but but happy birthday, Brad. We we appreciate listening and uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, but you've been pretty busy, Tom. You've been to a lot of conferences, yeah. or oh, yeah. or been to and heading to. Been to and heading to is right. And um, yeah, I was in in Jacksonville for uh, a Farm Bureau. It was a Farm Bureau Fusion Conference which is the combination of the young farmer and ranchers, uh, the the women's leadership committee, and then the um, promotion education uh, wow. committee. And, um, no, just really inspiring. You get to talk to like-minded people. And um, although I was, as far as I know, the only native plant person, <laughs> person there, <laughs> but it's um, people who, who see the uh, the positives of agriculture and how it's, dwindling in the United States and what we can do to get back and what are some of the, the consumer pressures and what are ways they can really continue to live the lifestyle they have and, and have the job they want, but also give back to the planet a little bit was definitely a theme in a lot of the discussions I had. That's nice to hear. So yeah, it's uh, the, the amount of times I heard people saying that they were getting into or practicing regenerative agriculture was, wow. was Stunning. Not what I expected. Um, no, I wouldn't expect that either, but that's nice to hear yeah. that that Which, was a and, buzz topic. And I also get a little worried the same way I get worried with uh, like organic and, and that kind of stuff. Is like, is it just becoming a, a buzz fad word and, and people don't really understand it, but they understand that it could make them more money if they use that, that term. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, we see that with native plants. Yeah. We see that where people want to throw the word native, but they're not really practicing – like yeah wholeheartedly they are yeah there's there's they're capitalizing growing native yeah. plants and then there's there's living the native plant lifestyle yes. and they are you can do one without doing both yes. if you're living the yeah. native plant lifestyle you're growing native plants yeah if uh i guess that's the way uh, one way to put it it's an yeah. interesting way to put no it. but if you were to go through like we talked about like the the mid-atlantic nursery trade show in baltimore so many nurseries incorporate it native into their their literature yeah but when you look through their catalog if they were to display the word native like as proudly as they were on backdrops and literature 
you look through them, maybe they're growing 20%. Yeah. Maybe. There was um, or one, prominently one nursery. Yeah, yeah, one nursery in particular that I know because I, I saw this on um, – there's a website that like vets – uh, and I wish I remember the name of it. It kind of like vets native plant nurseries and gives like a percentage. I think a lot of it's self-reported, but then okay. they look into yeah. it. And it was a nursery. I remember walking by that said like the the region's like pr- prominent grower of native plants. And then on that website, it was like 35% of the yeah, group is native. So it, yeah. It's one of those things where if, if you say it with confidence, you hope people just – accepted as fact but it's it you know for us being in the business and being 100 percent native we see we look this and and i i guess i at least i do look at it with a skeptical Mm -hmm. eye like yeah mm, and i think a lot of people who are getting in native plants have either are do question what they're being told because mm -hmm. there's just the cynicism in in, uh, cynicism is not the right word but there's like a a skepticalness of of uh of what they're being told because they're thinking that people are trying to capitalize on this or they've been burned before and now they want to ask those questions. But the native plant buyer right now is asking those questions. Yes. Like they're saying, seeing stuff saying it's seed grown and then they're asking more questions about it or they're seeing that they're neonic free and asking more questions about it. Um, And I'm not, I'm not not just taking it at face value. And I'm not disparaging people wanting to get into the native plant. I, I, I'm all for it. Like if you want to start incorporating native plants, but you know, I, I if if you're going to say you're the prominent grow and you're only growing thirty five percent, that that makes me question your mm-hmm. scruples as far oh, yeah. as yep. what else you know, what else are you fabricating or are mm-hmm. you embellishing about your business? So it's you know, I I, I it is an opportunity for people to, to take advantage yep. of and oh, yeah. I hope they just do it correctly are my, yep. my hopes. I don't want a few bad apples to and we see it even in our industry, you know, a few bad apples to to kind of ruin, poison the well. But then uh, a couple of things that are upcoming is if you're in the the industry, this will be a really good one for you. But it's the Society of American Military Engineers. Um, so it's not just Army Corps people that go to this. There's nice. a lot of affiliated engineering firms or, or restoration firms, those kind of things. There is a uh, a conference coming up. Um, that's about coastal resili- resiliency is actually uh, being hosted right across town from us in yeah. Columbus, New Jersey at the Rutgers eco complex. And, uh, and that's on April 21st, which is a Friday, I believe I, I'm not looking at the thing. That's I'm just not either. I'll look, I'll look, but, um, and, uh, and that's like, I know, uh, Princeton hydro is going to have, uh, or it, they're sponsoring it. Um, it is a Friday. We're going to do some sponsorship for it. We have to negotiate still with <laughs> how yeah. much we're sponsoring and how much is, <laughs> is a, a plant donation. Um, and uh, like Enviroscapes, uh, Ed Blanner helps put this yeah. together. It's uh, Dana from Princeton Hydro helps put this together. But I went last year, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. Just uh, if, So if you're in the, the industry, your company focuses on coastal resiliency, this is a place to show up to because you're going to, one, learn a lot, and then, two, have like it's everyone that you need to network with in one room so. you were when you were listing off last yeah. year the people that attended i was like oh this is like a who's who of you know that's a room you want to be in rubbing mm-hmm. elbows definitely yeah. and, and then um, you also have the native seed conference coming yeah, up. yeah so there's the native seed conference which is uh i think the 27th through the 30th and that's down in alexandria virginia I'm giving a presentation, Michael Kern, who you heard from last week. He's giving a presentation. Um, there's a whole bunch of people there from seed companies to 
educators all through the whole gamut. This is a national, this national is a, conference. a national conference. Yeah. Um, and registration is uh, is closed for it because they they actually filled up before they even got to the, like the regular. Um, they were did early bird or they did early early bird. Then they were early bird, and then the regular registration they were already filled, so they never opened it up for. That's amazing. For that. That's amazing. That's that's one. You know that just shows the the focus on that, and that there's room for expansion. Like hopefully they're able to make that conference. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't deter people from showing up in the future and next year if they're able to expand it, they can fill that. Mm-hmm. And then um, then one that I – this is actually on Facebook, so anyone could go to this. And I think it's free. I'm oh, pretty sure okay. it's free. Yeah, it says register for free. Uh, but on March 22nd through 25th, so this is just next week, um, there's something that I saw a Facebook promotion for called the Mid-Atlantic Earth Care Summit. And um and it's hosted by a woman Kendra Hoffman who's an ecological designer and her company is called Lady Ladybug Earth Care, and oh. um and then she has like a really cool lineup of speakers, many of which I had never heard of before, uh, talking about like eco spirituality and and uh, conservation through kinship and creating global change and um, sustainable landscaping, what, why, and how, all kinds of really cool stuff. So I um. I registered to watch just because I like to be in the loop with a lot of this yeah. stuff. And uh, and then uh, actually, I think Kendra reached out to me about some other stuff. Oh, we awesome. might be able to do with it too. So, Very cool. Um, so, yeah. So that's something, again, if you're listening to this and it's it's four days and I don't know how long each day is. I, I should have done more research on this before I started talking about it. But um, it's in line with a lot of the discussions we've had. And uh, – and, the other reason I go to some of this stuff, this is my like little secret voice that I'm using. Now. <laughs> <laughs> the, another reason I go to this stuff is because like this is where I pick up a lot of my guests <laughs> for this show. Is uh, is I get exposed to to new people um, that can provide different kind of talks than we've had before, and different uh, just different perspectives on things. So that's one of the one of the reasons I like going to this stuff. So and we actually have coming. Coming down the road a little bit, we have some really interesting uh, guests coming onto yeah. the podcast. I don't know if you want to discuss that now, yeah. or if you, you want to talk well, about it. Or you want to keep which a one. secret? Well, I will say, and and Kendra, if you're actually listening to this, because she just messaged the the uh, podcast Instagram account. Oh, okay, so yeah, th- this is uh, our way of of helping out a little bit. <laughs> I just realized that she messaged us oh, yesterday. Gotcha. So. I mean, but we have next week. For Horticultural Therapy Week, uh, we oh, have yeah. Laura DePredo yeah. coming on to talk about horticultural therapy. We have a Rooted Discussions uh, that will be – it may be the end of April or early May uh, by the time it airs, which is a Rooted Discussion about the American chestnut and the work mm-hmm. that's being done to reintroduce that. Um, we do have the talk about street trees. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, there was another one. Oh. Uh, Uli Lorimer from the Native Plant mm-hmm. Trust is is going to come on, so we're excited about some of oh, the yeah. different topics uh, coming up, and we're we're glad you know at hitting like almost 150 episodes. You like I, at least I do. I don't know if you do. It's like oh my god, what can we do to keep this fresh? Yeah, you know, so it's not yeah. just like the same there, thing, and, and it just keeps yeah. presenting itself. To and us. there is so many that we have in the works that we get like halfway to scheduling, and then it kind of drops off. There's it always amazes me how many people I don't even get responses from for how many people I contact. But then it's like every time we get to a point where like, oh, we don't know if we have a guest. We just did it the other day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. No, we had this one uh, – someone – or Laura DePredo yeah. who I talked to 
about this. I think she's booked it in December for yeah. this because this is horticultural. We, talk, we talked about it last September. Yeah, therapy week, and um, and uh, it was like, oh no, she's next week, and then yeah. oh yeah, then we have this person and this person, this person all either scheduled or about to schedule or, or somewhere we, in that line. We just were we had uh, someone reach out to us about having on um, an author who just wrote about the Florida Panther. Which mm-hmm. we thought would tie in well with the the talks we've been yeah. having with cougars. You guys really love cougars. So. Yes, so we thought <laughs> cougars, panthers, uh, but no, it's they are a, the same. Are they? Yes. Yeah, cougars, um, cougars, panthers, mountain lions. I think pumas, all the same thing. Ooh, I oh, I catamounts. Know all they're all the, they're just regional names for different things. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. All they're right, di- regional names for the exact same exact same thing. Animal. All right. Yeah. So you know, it's it ties in well with what we've been talking about and. It, like these were that one was just presented to us. We weren't even looking for that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of fell in our lap. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this ties in. This is perfect. So we hopefully we can keep getting lucky like that for another hundred and fifty <laughs> hundred and fifty episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So awesome. Awesome. So, there's a lot there's a lot coming up and it's crazy because it's the busiest time of the year mm-hmm. with all these things coming up too. So it's what else can you throw on your yeah. plate? And friend, we we also have a new segment. We that, do uh, have a new that segment. I think we have t- queued in later. Yes. So this is another thing. Yeah, you might want to list, keep listening so that you make sure you, you tune in. People who skipped ahead of this part are a little beginning ramble and just <laughs> skip right into the plants. They're going to miss out. You missed they, out? They're not going to understand that we have a new segment coming on that is no. really important that you listen to. I agree. I agree. But before we get there, we have to go through our normal thing. So let's kick in with um, – the plants that we're vibing with this week with that's hot. I think it's really interesting that you and I are both on the same page this yes. week for oh, that's yeah. hot. So yeah. would you like to go first? Yeah, I can go right, first. Go um, so mine was, and I should have practiced this before I even attempted, uh, Simp- Simplocarpus fetidus. That's how is, I would. It's, it's, yeah. it's skunk cabbage. I don't think anyone has. I've never even heard anyone say the the botanical name for it before. It's skunk cabbage. Yes, um, and it's native to a lot of, a lot of the country. Uh, definitely the East Coast where we are. I see it in New Jersey all the time. Anytime I come upon like a marshy area, uh, I see it. I even saw it at our coworkers' parents' house when I was oh, dropping something off the nice. other day. They had some coming up in their little streamy marshy area in the My front of their house. Old property. I had one lone skunk cabbage that would come up every year, and I was excited to see it yeah. when it would pop up. Yeah. So if you aren't familiar with skunk cabbage, uh, it's a distinctive plant of marshy woods. It sprouts so early in the spring that the heat of cellular respiration resulting from its rapid growth actually melts the snow or ice around it. It's strong, feeded. Uh, which is another word I'm not familiar with, but I can assume what it means. Uh, feeded odor, especially when the plant is bruised, resembles decaying flesh and lures insects and that pollinate it. Um, and I got that information from wildflower.org along with this information because I started thinking, hey, it has cabbage in the name. Yeah. <laughs> can you eat this thing? And uh, and yes, you, you can eat parts. And this is a, a big disclaimer here. Do not just take what I'm saying as fact and go and do with it what you want. <laughs> Um, make sure you do your own research and look this up as well. But on wildflower.org, it says there are edible parts. Uh, the young uncurled leaves and roots uh, collect the bright green unfurled leaves in the very early spring. Uh, to prepare, soak young shoots and roots in warm water to remove dirt and debris. Do not use dish detergent or any type of sanitizer. Carefully handle leaves after collecting. Bruised leaves will give off the unpleasant smell. The smell disappears after cooking. Cook for 20 minutes. Change the water at least twice and replace with fresh boiling salted water. Serve light greens. Roots are very bitter and burning in 
the raw state peel cut into small pieces, roast in the oven for at least one hour and grind into a flour uh, in a coffee or grind in a flour or coffee grinder until quite fine. Add its bread dough or muffin batter. Um, and that information they got from the poisonous plants of North Carolina and uh, which is suffice to say, this is the warning. Yeah. There are poisonous parts. All parts except the uncurled leaves and roots are toxic um, only really if eaten in large quantities, but the symptoms are going to include burning and swelling of lips, tongue, throat, nausea, vomiting, diet, and diarrhea may also occur. And um, I'm not going to get into the toxic parts. <laughs> There's crystals in it. <laughs> that's I, what gets you. Yeah, that's – I think the the one word that you were saying you weren't sure of, I think it's fetid. fetid. And I think – I'm wondering fetid. if that's where fetidus comes from, if, if that's – has to do with I, the. I haven't heard uh, with the the odor. Fed it like I. Yeah. I, um. But that, that would make sense. There's a large. It means be- smelling extremely unpleasant. Pleasant, yeah. So the, the. Which I was gonna. I thought it had a, a feces analogy in there, <laughs> which it doesn't really smell no, poopish. It no. smells more like a skunk. But we have a park right around the corner from us, Crystal Lake Park, that um, has a large valley that's filled with skunk cabbage that. It's. I've never seen it in such mass that I enjoy going mm-hmm. there when it comes out because it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. So yeah. and it's it's something that it's yeah it yeah. it's just because I know it is more of a ephemeral and it kind of goes away. But when that fresh foliage unravels, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, if you're along for a hike and you start smelling what seems like <laughs> you've stumbled upon a hippie encampment, <laughs> <laughs> then you, you might have just stumbled across a, a patch of skunk, skunk cabbage. cabbage. So. Uh, yeah. So mine, I went the ephemeral route too because I, I've started to notice uh, signs of spring ephemerals, and uh, I'm excited about this one because it is helpful in locating. Someone told us it's helpful in locating uh, certain mushrooms. Uh, it's Joe Cermelli. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, from what's it? The cutting, cutting tie, cutting the cutting po- cut retie podcast. podcast. He used to be when we had him on. He was on the Bent podcast, which is a meteor brand. Yeah, he split off. He's doing his own thing, and it's the Cut and Retie podcast, which is a lot of fun to listen to if you are into it fishing. Is. Yes, so yeah, totally. But my um, that's hot is Mayapple, which is Podophyllum peltatum, um, and let's see. So we talked about the mushrooms. It is it does like shade to part shade. Uh, so you're you'll see these in similar conditions to uh, the. The skunk cabbage maybe not isn't in as wet of an area, maybe a little more higher and drier. But from wildflower.org, I got mayapple is unique, isn't that it only has two leaves and one flower, which grows in the axle of the leaves. The large twin umbrella-like leaves of mayapple are showy and conspicuous. They remain closed as the stem lengthens, unfolding six to eight inches across when the plant has reached its one to one and a half foot height. Solitary nodding white to rose-colored flower grows in the axle of the leaves and has six to nine waxy white petals. With many stamens, the nodding fruit is a large fleshy lemon-shaped berry. Mayapple colonizes by rhizomes, forming dense mats and damp open woods. Uh, the common name refers to the May blooming of its apple blossom-like flower. Although the leaves, roots, and seeds are poisonous if ingested in large quantities, the roots were used as a, uh, a cathartic by Native Americans – the edible, ripe, golden yellow fruits can be used in jellies. The alternate popular name, mandrake, uh, rightly belongs to the unrelated old world plant with a similar root. So, uh, you know, it's I'm always happy when I see that. I, where we're at in in coastal plain, we don't see it as often. 
Uh, I, I tend to see it more in Piedmont areas, mm-hmm. but like when we come across a patch, I'm always kind of excited to, yeah. to see it just because it's not as common for us. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. A, and we talked about um, Crystal Lake Park. There's a whole bunch of them over there. There really and, is, yeah. Uh, and that's another one. I, I think he can. I think he can eat it. But I, I'm going to look that up. I should have. Well, it says, yeah, it was saying you can is. eat the fruit, but the rest of it is poisonous. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and like they mentioned, it can be used yeah. for for jellies. Uh, I've never actually. That's what I get of, for not listening to you when you talk. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's okay. There, it is impossible to listen to everything I say throughout the course of a day. And you've already we're recording late in the day. You've already had a fill of listening yeah. to me today. So, but two great plants. Uh, make sure you check them both out. Now's the time to do it because if you try to do it in the fall, you're not going to see them. Uh, now uh, with their emergence, uh, it's it they're fun to look for. And uh, if you forage for mushrooms, like I said, that may be. I, I don't want to give away all of our secrets. Yeah. But uh, that well, it wasn't help. our secret. It, no, but it was shared with us yeah. in in. I don't know, not confidence. It was Didn't off air. It? Oh, it was off. It air? was off oh, air. I thought yeah. we talked about it on air. No, yeah, it we was won't. Off air. We won't reveal the other half of that. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> we don't want to be fighting everyone yeah. for for certain mushrooms. It was uh, yeah. It was May apples and uh, don't and, say, it, don't say, it, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and Spartina off in the floor. If you find those <laughs> yeah. two together, yeah, you can find certain mushrooms. Um, all right. What do you think? You want to do a little uh, this or that? Uh, do we have a choice? No, yeah. I don't think. Well, I guess yeah, no, technically. Let's, but let's do this or that. <laughs> you can get with this, or you can get with that. So we have done away with the drum roll because I wanted to put Tom's Petty on the soundboard. So there's no more drum roll when we unleash this. But um, we don't have a winner this week. We actually uh, came up with a tie. It's the first time in a while that mm-hmm. we've been tied. But it was thirteen to thirteen. And uh, our articles where I had giving Bambi the boot, and Tom had his article on hedgerows. Both, uh, both were extreme, extremely well received, so mm-hmm. it did end up with a tie. And we decided not to do a tiebreaker. We're just going to leave it as a tie. We've never yeah. done that. Well, I think it's going to upset the listeners. So that's what. That's, uh, yeah, this is I what you want. This is what look, you get. Listen, I will say, <laughs> I will say in the past that there was a concerted effort to come up with a tie. I don't think this one. No, you, I, don't, you think, I think, I think this a, was just happenstance. Yeah. But it was a tie from eight to eight, nine to nine. Like it seemed like mm-hmm. every time I looked, there were more votes, but it just kept staying with a tie. So uh, that makes me feel good that we both presented good articles mm-hmm. and everyone was happy with that. But given that, I will let you choose if you would like to go first or if you'd like to, uh, me yeah, to go first. I, you know, I'll go first. Okay. Um, and I, I don't remember where I first saw this article but i've seen it posted in a couple different native plant centric groups and um and i read it on reader's digest but it was actually originally published in the washington post and it was titled are lawns bad for the environment the other side of lawn care explored by dan zach and it came out on february 13th so about a month ago and uh and i'll read a little bit and then give my thoughts along the way um, so lawns, they're part of American life. You throw football on them, you picnic on them, you lounge on and loaf on them. In a blog post titled, Why the Anti-Lawn Movement Bugs Me a Little, landscaper David Marciniak, Mar- 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 yeah, that's an easy one, yeah. Marciniak, reminds, uh, reminds us that nothing holds up the foot traffic and hard use like turf grass. Lawns also provide visual relief, a place for the eye to rest while it digests all the botanical awesomeness around it. Sounds great, but the chemical-fed water-gulping lawn has a seedier side, one that's not as nature-friendly, and we might hope uh, from all that green. And even as our planet accelerates its revolt against us, we tend 
uh, our lawns, one part of the earth we can control. Society falters, resources dwindle, and still lawns. Lawns burned out, uh, lawns burned out, blonde and dead in the air fryer of August. Lawns animal green, no alien green, or no alien green, and kept that way by uh, maniacal vigilance, an elaborate system of pipes and potions, organic and otherwise in defiance of ecology, and for what? To have in this chaos dominion over something. Lawn and order. <laughs> so that's a good line. <laughs> that is a good line. <laughs> uh, to drape a veil of vendancy over the world gone to seed. To feel equal or superior to Ron across the street, whose lawn always looks like the 18th at Pebble Beach. Uh, for setting off both the house uh, and landscape, planting a good lawn is of vital importance, declared a caption in the New York Times in 1937. Around that time, during the Great Depression, the Matai family, oh no, I'm pronouncing that name wrong, uh, in Cincinnati, did not have a lawn. They had a yard, and the yard was functional. It was for the chickens and tomato plants. It was not for grass. Everyone in the subdivision, um, eventually, I'm skipping a part here, yeah. but the family moved, um, or one of the kids moved to Cinnaminson, New Jersey, oh, okay. which is not too far away from us. Um, and uh, everyone in the subdivision had a lawn, of course. Uh, what was the American dream in the 20th century? If it was not for a apron by a quarter acre of Kentucky bluegrass, which is good for recreation and admiration, not much else. Uh, Vic had some token vegetable plants on the property, but the yard was not for survival. The lawn, yard was for lawn, and the lawn was for mowing. He was mowing the lawn every Saturday, said Vic's daughter, uh, Edna Marie Matai, and that was success, having the lawn, mowing the lawn. Over the past 50 years, we've slowly fallen out of love with lawns. They began to signal waste, disregard, disharmony, homogeneity, gentrification, and zombie boomerism. This person really has a way with words. Yeah, I know. Tell me about Um, it. (laughs) Lawn has become a liability, in some cases an asset, on the condition of its removal. California Maine's water utility is paying customers between $2 and $5 for each square foot of living turf they remove. Last year, Nevada outlawed certain types of lawn, or rather the state legislator prohibited the use of water from uh, the dribbling Colorado River to feed certain types of non-functional turf which in southern Nevada slurps up 12 billion gallons of water every year, uh, which is more than 10% of the state usage of the wow. river. The law created a committee to sort, of, uh, to sort functional turf from non-functional discussions where we, ha- uh, where we had about where had to about how to categorize pet relief areas and wedding lawns at golf courses. As much as Americans like to call themselves rugged individuals, there's always a lot looking around to see what other people are doing, says uh, Maritzenyak. I explained to people advocating anti-lawn, look, it's not going to happen overnight. If you want to get people away from lawns, we have to show them it can be beautiful. It can be desirable. And perhaps most important, it can make the neighbors jealous. Well, so I, I pulled a lot of the article out there. So if you want to read the whole thing, we're going to have the link on our Facebook page or our Facebook group um, with the vote. So you can click and read the whole thing there awesome. because it was significantly longer than this. I, I appreciate that the author kind of calls out the – the blog post because it is a blog and mm-hmm. it was done by a landscaper who I'm sure makes his business off yeah. of mowing lawns or fertilizing or, or you know, most blogs are re- opinion based mm-hmm. and anyone can post their opinion online. You can, you can post it on any social media. You can have your own Heck, blog we're doing it right now. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just nice pointing out. Yeah, this is some of the reasons this person says they're good, but mm-hmm. also pointed out the downside and we've often said, you know, a small patch of lawn can be functional, oh, yeah. but yep. it, but isn't necessary. You know, it's necessary for some things, but you don't have to have an yeah. acre of it. Oh, and so many an people look at their their front yards, and um, there's places in my front yard I don't even know if I've walked over. Well, that's not true because I have walked. over. I was just going to ask you that question. Like places in my front yard where I do not frequent. I frequent around the mailbox. 
there's a little patch in between the mailbox and my front porch when I'm pulling out the driveway yeah. and I got a there's a package in there that's for my wife. I'll go and walk it up. Um the only place I go, like the only reason I go on certain parts of my front yard are to mow. Now I, I don't mow. Like we, we have a lawn service. The I with the exception of working on a small garden last year, I bet you I spent less than five minutes on my front yard yeah. through the whole year. Like nothing. Like it's just wasted. Mm-hmm. So part of what we're doing is slowly trying to incorporate bigger – like I spent time re redoing a garden and making it larger mm-hmm. and trying to eat up. But like there's no – it's just doing yeah. nothing. And um, and I forget what I was about to say. But anyway, there's there's like – we have some plans to make that front lawn a little bit smaller. Um, you want to make sure it's under control. I even had uh, someone made a comment to one of someone else who works here, one of my neighbors, about um, how his boss doesn't landscape at all, and that's weird for someone who works in a nursery not landscape their their house. I was like, yeah. well, I just landscape a different way that that guy doesn't like because he's out on his mower yeah. like twice a week, <laughs> and yeah. that's he's he's. The, this person in particular is uh, in his seventies, and l- literally he lives for. In from an outsider's perspective, he yeah. lives for his lawn. His lawn has to look yeah. perfect all the time. This is what I was going to say before. Now I'm coming from a place where I don't have a lot of inputs in my yard. Um, I, I don't fertilize it. I don't spray weeds in it. I just kind of let it be. I mow it high, um, and I enjoy mowing. It's fun, kind of riding around the lawnmower, kind of have a little. Peace and it's hard to say that's peace and quiet because it is really loud, but it's like just a, a time to think, um, uninterrupted time to think where you're doing something monotonous and you can kind of drift into uh, another. That's where I have a lot of my best ideas. Hey, if it wasn't for mowing the lawn, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. That's <laughs> no. the idea for this. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I always think about it. I'm like, how much of this do I actually need? And then, but the side part of it is, okay, well, if I don't use it and I, what am I? What is it going to be instead? If it's not grass, at least I can maintain grass, and it's not something worse, or it's not something that's that's detrimental, like invasive plants. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's where I have concerns. I'm like, oh, if I just kind of I bite off more than I can chew, well, now I'm just letting the invasives win, yeah. and I have a whole different slew of problems. So, no, it's yeah. you know, for me, we we have the lawn mode every other week. Mm-hmm. We have it mowed high. Uh, we do minimal, like in the backyard. There's no leaf pickup. Yep. Um, you know, but slowly, the guard like gardens surround the whole thing, and we keep slowly adding and getting those gardens to to eat up more lawn from the edges. And we work on keeping mm-hmm. invasives under control or or make headway against invasives. And that's our plan is to just slowly. Hopefully every year there's a little bit less lawn and yeah. a little bit more garden and plant, and that's mm-hmm. that's the plan. So it's – you know, it's funny that – I don't know. It's, it's how some people don't care. Some people care too much maybe. I don't know or not too much, but some people – Yeah. It's um, – They don't care. They don't care at all. Yeah, it's uh, – it's the, the thing we have to do is – as a group, I'm talking not just yeah. Fran and I. I'm talking about all of us. We have to really work hard to change the overall perspective. And this is one of the reasons I use this article in particular of all the choices I had was I love that last line that 
perhaps the most important, it can make the neighbors jealous. Yeah. My, my neighbors are not going to be jealous over my front yard right now, yeah. what they can see from the road. And, um, and that's one of the things I'm trying to do is have something that is so beautiful and wonderful that they will be jealous of it. And this time of year when it's not going to look as good because it's I'm leaving the leaves and I'm leaving stems and, and not trimming back and all that, um, they'll it'll over it'll be what the the good times will uh, overshadow. Over, overshadow this time where it's like okay well you're dealing with this now but it's it's really just a man we like what we like for I I it's just ingrained in us that oh we need to have boxwoods we need to have have uh hydrangeas and i'm like when you really think about it, it's like they're they're lawn ornaments i was just watching the lorax yeah. my son loves the lorax now yeah um, oh really which is uh, i i appreciate and uh and yeah it's like that whole they have the the oak tr- or the maple 5000 or whatever the tree is and it's like this light up thing and it's like oh and you have like spring summer winter fall or autumn and disco. <laughs> it's like it, it's, it's just a light, like it's a, a plastic thing with light bulbs in it, and yeah. that's their tree. And um, that's kind of what the plants we have in our yards are now. It's uh, I always do that, or I start speaking in hushed tones, like people aren't listening to this and don't appreciate that I'm talking quietly. But it's um, it's uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff that's in our landscapes or in the traditional landscape, it might as well be plastic. It's yeah. not doing much else. It, and it's honestly, if it was plastic, it would be less work. Yeah, it's um, like, and you wouldn't have some of the the issues you might otherwise have. Uh, so yeah, it's um, we have to we have to work together to kind of change that overall perception and have something that is kind of fits a um, current day model of beauty, but still has ecological function, yeah. and then. Keep pulling, keep trying to pull through everyone else and say, "Hey, you should try something. You should start planting some echinacea, and you should start planting yeah. some some clethra in your yard." It, it doesn't um, take much, but it, I I love that these conversations are having on mm-hmm. a much larger scale, like the Washington Post. Like we yep. we've mentioned it, L.A. Times, New York Times, and Washington Post have posted a lot of native yeah. plant or positive ecological articles as of oh, late. Yeah. Yeah. And they just keep reaching a larger, larger audience, which I love. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, hopefully that keeps. Yeah, yeah keeps it's one of the things the I'm trend. thinking from a, a social media perspective. Uh, another one, we always have those little call to action, something that anyone can do. But it's one that I'm going to do this summer, where it's like, yeah, my it might not look as clean and tidy and and all this, but I have something that no one else has. Look at all these butterflies. Look at yeah. all these pollinators. No one else on the block can claim that they have as many as me because I have yeah. the most. Yeah. And this is what my lawn or my garden does that none of theirs does. Um, and now you're taking some like everyone's looking at it from their own parameters of, oh, it needs to be clean. It needs to look sterile. It needs to not do this and not whatever. And now it's like, well, here's something outside the box, outside your parameters that mine Kicks your garden's butt. No, you know, and, uh, I have a neighbor who has the most pristine yard you can imagine. Mm-hmm. No trees on their property. They have some foundation plantings and that's it. But they love their bird feeders. Yeah. And my the diversity of birds I get in my yard blows theirs away from the trees. You know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I love that you love this. But look at what my yard does. Mm-hmm. And it's the diversity is phenomenal, and I, I love that. So, 
Yeah, that's a great – that's a great uh, – that will be a great thing to do. I'm yeah. going to start photographing all the butterflies that I see this summer. Yeah. Maybe you and I can do it both. Yeah, um, but it's those kind of messages are what's going to turn this around yeah. and say, hey, here's something that is – and but I choose butterflies because people have negative connotations with bees. And you have to keep that in mind yeah. when they have these conversations. But it's like, hey, here's something mine doesn't – does that yours doesn't do. And then you're going to create that jealousy. Oh, I want butterflies too. I want hummingbirds. Yep. I want this stuff. Well, here's how do you, here's the roadmap. <laughs> and this is how you, you gotta, do it. You're sacrificing a little bit of that sterility to to bring people in. But unless you we we actively market those benefits, like the things that are in reach and people are yep. desirable benefits right now. Eventually, people are going to will come around and say, "Oh, well, here's the the the." Um, the amount of water that it uses is another benefit yeah. and that it's giving back to the ecosystem is another benefit. Right now those are real benefits, but they aren't perceived benefits. Yeah. Butterflies are something that people would already perceive as a benefit. Hummingbirds are another one. People latch on. If I can get more monarchs, I'm going to say, okay, yeah, that's a real yes. benefit that people yeah. see right now. So I think, and there's probably more that I'm not thinking of. Yeah. These, these real benefits that are out there for people that our gardens do better than theirs. And that's going to convince them to start move in our direction. I agree. So. I agree. So speaking of native plants, my article this week discusses more on the loss of native plants. So the name of my article is Half of Britain and Ireland's Native Plants Have Declined Over 20 Years, um, which is a study, and this is by Helena Horton of The Guardian. Half of Britain's and Ireland's native plants have declined over 20 uh, – this past 20 years. With non-native species now more numerous in the wild, a major study is found. Thousands of botanists from the Botanical Society of Britain and Ireland, the BSBI, have spent over 20 years collecting data on changes in the British and Irish flora. The research published in Plant Atlas, Atlas 2020 has implications for native insects and other species which rely on the plants that evolved alongside. Agricultural practices and the climate crisis are the main drivers of the decline in native plant species, scientists said as they called for urgent action to tackle the loss. Changes in farming since the 1950s, such as nitrogen enrichment, habitat degradation, and changes in grazing pressure have led to the decline of species such as heather and harebell, the research found. Additionally, damp meadows have been drained, leading to substantial declines in plants such as devil's bit scabious, a plant fed on by rare butterflies. Ancient Arable flowers such as corn marigold fared worse than other species with a 62% decline. This is because traditional grasslands have been receded over or fertilized. Craig Bennett, chief executive of the Wild Trust, Wildlife Trust, said – man, I'm, I'm stuttering. I forgot my water. Before we start it – You want some of mine? No, I'm good. I'm good. I almost paused. I was like, man, I left my water outside. <laughs> um Craig Bennett, chief executive of the Wildlife Trust, said the decline of our beautiful native plants is heartbreaking and has consequences for all of us. The loss of natural habitats due to modern farming methods over the last 70 years has been an unmitigated disaster for wildflowers and all the species that depend on them, including insects, bats, and birds. But it's not too late to stop this catastrophe. The government's new farm environment schemes must do what was originally promised and reverse the decline of nature in our agricultural landscape. Also, protection for local wildlife sites need to be increased, and the promise made by the government at the most uh, recent UN Biodiversity Summit to have nutrient pollution by 2030 must be honored. Climate breakdown has affected many species, for example, mountain plants such as alpine ladyfern, alpine speedwell, and snow pearlwort 
depend on areas where the snow lies late in the spring and summer. Of the 3,445 different plant species recorded during field work, 1,692 are native to Britain, while 1,753 non-natives were found that have been deliberately or accidentally introduced by, into the wild by humans. Many of the non-native species originate from gardens and then spread to establish self-sustaining populations. The planting of non-native spruce is degrading peatland habitats, researchers found, and Sitka spruce, which regenerates into peatlands and moorland, has shown the most significant increase in the range of any species recorded. Dr. Kevin Walker, BSBI Head of Science and Plant Atlas 2020 co-author said, There's a lot we can do to reverse these declines, but the most important are to increase the protection plant receive, extend the habitat available to them, and to place their needs at the very heart of our nature conservation. We also need to ensure that our land, water, and soil are managed more sustainably so that plants and the species which rely upon them for food and shelter can thrive. Um, pretty short and to the point, but it's kind of kind of disturbing to hear that non-native plants outnumber native plants yeah. uh, in those in those countries. And that's – man, that's scary. That's scary when you think of – you know, they they mention wildlife and pollinators, but they don't really go into how that affects their numbers, um, and and what that means for everyone. I mean, they kind of hint on it, but it's just I I love that they they say that all is not lost, and there's a lot of things that we can do to change it. But there's numerous factors. It is uh, uh, the introduction of non-natives into gardens. There is. Uh, the change in agricultural land and fertilizing and drying out areas and it's it's a, it's not one thing it's not you know one thing you can point a finger it's a lot of things and it's how we treat our gardens and our cultural practices yeah and that's um i don't i don't know exactly if i would assume but maybe i'm wrong um i would assume that they have more introduced plants in their wild areas than we do in the US but that being said, the U.S. more recently is like dominated by um, introduced people, yeah. which are bringing their a lot of their plants from from home. So, so that might not be true. I don't know. But uh, you look at the British Empire and how they were yeah. traveling the entire globe and bringing back plants from everywhere they exactly. went and doing all these these research, and so they they were like the hub to collect a lot of this stuff. But a lot of it also made its way over to the U.S. as well. Yeah. So no, that's a really fascinating and, and scary statistic. I, I was going to say it's so, a little scary, and it, yeah. it was kind of eye-opening for me. And it's, but now that you know that, what are they going to do to fix it? And it's it's hard because when I think of gardening, I think of, um, I, I think of of British gardening. You know, yeah. of of how what's traditional. You know, traditional gardening, and it's it makes me wonder. You know, I, how many American plants are are in England? I, I mm-hmm. I'm curious about that because they have a, a very big gardening culture, and I wonder how that changes. How, um, you know, I don't know their agriculture practices compared to ours, but it it makes me feel good. Like when you talk about re- regenerative agriculture being the buzzword at the this this local uh, conference or this this most recent conference, that I hope. That's a global trend, not just an American trend. Yeah, so. I know. Um, I just did a little quick research, and it's uh, the United States has, and I knew the number was around twenty thousand 
species of native plants. And it says 18,000. I think I read somewhere somewhere else a long time ago it was a little bit higher, but um it was uh there's 5,000 known uh non-native plant species. Wow. In in the US. So even then like 5 5,000 not now not all yeah. of them are invasive. Yeah. Um like you think corn, soybeans, yeah. they're not. Yeah. Well, corn in a roundabout way is, is native, but it's not what it was yes. as a native plant but um so yeah you you think about that like well you're like garden plants a lot of your garden plants aren't necessarily native plants but um they aren't necessarily invasive plants either so exactly so two great articles uh this will be posted on monday and you'll get to vote again try not to make it a tie hopefully they'll we'll have a winner uh but make sure you go to the website and vote because and of course the choice is yours I am thinking listener shout outs. You want to do it? Yeah. I, w- I was yawning, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> listener, listener, shout out. So we did get some five star reviews. You want to tell us about? It? Yeah, so we got one. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked this person didn't give us a five star review earlier. He had. He, oh, he, he had. He just updated it. it. Okay, yeah. that makes me feel a lot better because we got one from uh, from Doctor Evil, who's been a caller, and yeah. so I'm really glad to see that he updated it. And didn't I was going to punish him for only I, you know actually now. I was just thinking, you know who hasn't called in in a while? Doom. Yeah, you know because that was maybe we've done such a good <laughs> job spreading positive native plant messages that <laughs> Doom has diminished into yeah. a corner. Yeah. But that started because of Doc Evil. <laughs> that was an interesting era. With in yeah. all these, these Saul and like, the Bird Lady characters calling in, Doom and the point. Bird Lady. Yeah. Was, uh, so I missed that a little bit. So many. I was. I was one of my shout outs. I was talking to today, and they uh, they had only been listening for the last couple of months, so they probably don't even know about Doom and Doctor yeah. Evil and the Bird. I forgot about the Bird the Bird Lady. lady. Yeah. Both Bird Ladies. Yeah. The Bird Lady of. Uh, uh, Mary Poppins and the Bird Lady of Home Alone. Yeah, we've had two yeah. different ones call in. So yeah, I kind of miss that a little yeah. bit. So who are who who are your <laughs> shout outs? So well, we had uh, Doctor Evil and then Victoria in the Garden also left a well, wonderful review for us. Yes, thank and then you. um then two that that one just came well both of them came about today was uh Vincenzo Ferriola uh, mm-hmm. actually gave, uh, we had a nice phone conversation about some other stuff but was saying how much he appreciates the podcast and awesome. the, the social media stuff we're doing and how much he's learning and. Um, appreciated how uh, the same thing I appreciate about it, how we tried to make it so it didn't go over people's heads. Yeah. Um, and that was my complaint about some of these other native plant or plant podcasts was, hey, I'm in the industry and I don't always understand what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you would think it's So simple. how is someone like who doesn't have any background, how are they going to listen to that and, and come away saying, oh, this is something I want to do? So You know, I always thought that my approach was very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, in explaining things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put something simple out because I'm pretty simple when it, my understanding of it. But then when I listen to us talk on a native plant every day, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, when we just when we discuss the the terminology for leaf shape and things like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could I could totally see someone hearing that and go, I don't know what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and another one was just when we were looking up. Who won the, the this or that vote? Yes. Uh, I stumbled across a comment. Uh, it was the most recent comment on our group um, by Mark Tabler or Tabler. Oh, I Tabler. just saw that and this morning. They, yeah. they, someone had posted something. Or Kevin, uh, Kevin Moriarty, who's a great contributor to our Facebook group, 
uh, posted about uh, the importance of moths and how you don't hear about moths that much and uh, posted a Xerxes Society article. And then Mark had followed up, said in the uh, September 22nd episode, Moth Night could have easily been a bad episode. (laughs) (laughs) But it was one of the best episodes of any podcast I've ever listened to, which I was so happy to hear because I I, going into that, I was like, this could be a really bad episode because I'm setting up this microphone in the middle of the table. Unscripted. Unscripted, just kind of, hey, we're all sitting here. We've had a couple drinks, and uh, we've been up for a long time looking at this bright light bringing in moths and uh and and we had some characters but not yes. just, and my brother's a character and then you I was going to Bill say Young that and but uh, I didn't. and Blaine and uh yeah they they have very strong personalities and it was, but they're incredibly knowledgeable and just such um such uh passionate people about what they do I knew it had the potential to be really good it was nice to hear someone say that. Yeah, so yes. it was nice to hear someone say that because the audio definitely wasn't the best. I, like I said, I had a little shotgun mic, and I just threw it in the middle of the table and said, I hope this works. It's and, probably best that uh, I was not a part of that one uh, because not having the knowledge and then adding alcohol, I probably would have been a detraction, yeah. I, I think, from the, from the whole conversation. Yeah. But no, that yeah. was nice to hear. It was yep. uh, – I that's a fantastic – that's about as good as a compliment as you can yeah. get. I, yep. I agree. Um, my – my one shout out is I wanted to thank Dina Brewster from the Hickories and also Eco Fifty Nine, who's a listener that that stopped out at the nursery and we we spent a half a day together uh, talking about seed strategy and and what we can do uh, to help promote local mm. ecotypes. Uh, and and it was a good day. It was yeah, a really yeah. a wonderful conversation to have and to see what what other people are doing and for, to have them see what we're doing and how we can work together. And those are the kind of relationships that are important when you're trying to spread. Spread the good message or the good word. So I really appreciate coming yeah. spending time with us. Awesome. Especially cool. this time of the busy season. Yeah. So keep leaving five-star reviews. You'll get a shout-out right here in this very section. Um, I like to do it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, and if you keep keep uh, boosting our egos, maybe I'll give you a little <laughs> shout-out too. I like – no, I, I just like to see the feedback is the big thing. Um we are. I talk about it a lot. We're we were literally in an echo chamber, whereas Fran and I sitting across from the table thinking we're doing a good job. But um, it's nice to to know we're going to even reflecting back to that last section. I didn't know. I didn't know this was a thing. I guess I kind of did. But a lot of podcasts have like actual editors, and if they don't actually have one on staff themselves, yeah. they're a little bit smaller. They can actually you can send it out to a professional editor, and they'll edit it sometimes within twenty four hours. Which is and I was amazing. talking to this guy who did this, and he's like, "Yeah, it's a hundred dollars an episode." They made a lot more than a yeah. hundred dollars an episode with their. They were much bigger yeah. podcasts than us. Uh, he's like, "It's a hundred dollars an episode," and they take out all like the ums and likes and all the stuff that when we're reading our articles and we're stumbling through <laughs> and not knowing how to read. That would a lot of people would be like, "Oh, this makes me sound really dumb because it kind of does make us sound dumb." Something when I can't pronounce people's names. A lot of other podcasts, they edit that out. <laughs> is what yeah, I'm finding out. We, we don't. We we're don't, raw. We don't uh, edit anything yeah. out. You're getting. You're getting a hundred percent. I like. I think I can count on one hand the amount of times we've edited podcasts over 150. And I would also say episodes. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> I think it's it makes it more authentic in a sense. Yeah. But um, but from a listening perspective, I don't know if it makes it better. But uh, nope. these are the things I pondered late at night the, when I can't sleep. The one thing I'll say, and this is not one person in general, and, and like Tom mentioned, sometimes you're in a vacuum and you, you think you're doing a good job, but you don't know. the Just the amount of new listeners that, that we've gotten over the last month has been 
pretty significant. Um, and and we we can't do it with all of you. And that's that's you recommending podcast to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the recent article in the North American Native Plant Society uh, in the uh, Blazing Star. You know, just all the kind words that you say go a long way, whether you say them in a five star review or not. It's it's humbling when we look at the numbers and go, oh, that's oh, yeah. a significant yep. increase. You know, and it's you know, and and that's been our guest too. The amount of content mm-hmm. that we've been able to provide has been has been wonderful. So the more listens we get, the better guests sometimes we're we're able to get, and it's just. It, we can't do it without all of you and the longevity. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to say we've done this for three years and, yeah. and still have our our listenership increase is pretty amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. So, so Fran, I'm gonna say uh, for well for a couple reasons. Let's skip questions. Let's skip okay. grow read a book. Yes. Let's skip Tom's petty. Get right into our brand new segment that we've been we've been pushing up here. Yes. And I'm gonna say it's the segment is called. Talking about a native plant every day. That's our other podcast where we talk about a native plant every day. That's why it's called a native yeah. plant every day. And this is talking about a native plant yeah. every day where we're going to take a couple minutes and just talk about what we talked about. Yes. And I'm going to start out and say I really liked what we did last Tuesday. I thought yeah. it was a great plant. I it do It was too. fantastic. Um, that's one I would definitely recommend looking to. The wetland indicator status was fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, it's. I was shocked that that was one that I, I – I fared pretty well on on the quizzes, and I don't fare well quite often. But that was one that that I knew a lot, but learned a lot. And you don't mm-hmm. get that every you yeah. don't get that every and, week. And I always ask what uh, what wildlife um, thing. And then the Wednesday's plant really had some fascinating wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No so spoilers you, here. Yeah, if you no want to know spoiler. what we're talking about, you need to go back and listen to uh, A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. It comes out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we save Fridays for uh, for uh, A Native Plant Healthy Planet. And We've been getting kidding. wonderful yeah. feedback, um, and I let me look. I think it was Cindy Wilson It was that, yeah. that, that mentioned that mm-hmm. she was really happy with the, the, the updates to the format. Uh, Updates to the format that we went to with season two, and that Christiane, our our producer, has been for for that podcast has been getting mm-hmm. a ton of uh, wonderful feedback because she keeps us kind yep. of focused. Oh yeah, and she's much better prepared. It's than, cleaned us up quite a bit. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah, it is Cindy Wilson. But so uh, but no, that me. was really just a, a way to plug a native plant every day, and hope that you, if you haven't been listening to that already, that's a great way. One of my complaints, if I am allowed to complain about my own sure. podcast, is we don't talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> One of my complaints about native plant or native plant healthy planet, or is we don't always talk about plants enough. We tend to talk about what the plants do and why it's important. But then, um, and I think that's been probably a number one complaint that we've yeah. had from reviews is we don't often talk about plants enough. And uh, but we really enjoy doing the way we do it. So we didn't necessarily want to change. That's why we do the yeah. the that's hot plan of the weeks. Yeah, and um. But a native plant every day was kind of a way to supplement some of that and talk about plants still, and uh, so that we can't be called hypocrites and that we, don't <laughs> talk, we have native plants in the name and never talk about native plants. But without so. having to listen to an hour and a half yes. worth of yep. content to get to it, yeah. it's it's we've been averaging I think sixteen minutes an episode this season. Yep, yep. Um, so, but some of the things we did talk about in yes. this past week of uh, of Th- this a might be a spoiler day. alert if you haven't listened. If you haven't listened, is you may want to not. And one of the things that I realized after we stopped recording 
when we had our crab apple episode, yeah, I said I would love to learn why crab apples are called crab apples, thinking it was going to be somewhere in there, and it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so we wanted to fill that in. And yeah, tell and, you why. And you know that he. The funny thing is, it's it's been called crab apple for so long. I think that the meaning of or the origins of the word really isn't known. It's this is more speculative. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what I was able to find was that even desirable crab apples are sour. This sourness is presumably the root of their name given the crabby uh, connotes of uh, a difficult or grouchy person. Though another theory is that an alteration – it's an alteration of Scots and Northern English scrab. The term crab apple dates from the early 15th century. So really the the origins of that word is kind of lost. Like mm-hmm. this is all speculation yeah. and it makes sense. It could be any of those but – we may never know. We may yeah. never know. And then another plant we talked about was silver maple, and uh, and the name, the botanical name for that being saccharinum, which means sweet. Saccharum is, has which connotations of sugar. Sugar maple, which and is sugar yeah. maple, saccharinum being uh, so. Then I'm like, oh, that's why do they call it silver maple instead of sweet maple? And um, but it's uh, it's basically for its sap is uh is also sweet, but it's more compared to like a corn syrup. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard anyone tapping. Silver Me maples not. for the sap. And we talk about that on a native plant every day. Like sugar maple, you hear about red maple, you hear about even birch. But I've never heard of anyone tapping silver maple, so, which which are a larger tree. Like if you think about like if, if you're going to get sap from a tree that was mm-hmm. sweet, that would be that would be plentiful. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. So. So, yeah, this isn't probably going to be a, a keeper segment. But if no. it's something where we have some stuff where we need to, to – Follow up on something we missed in a native plant every day. This will probably be our platform to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say for a native plant every day, we just kind of throw it out there. We really don't promote it. We mm-hmm. there's no social media for it. Uh, I we did one post just to say the season started, but it's been pretty well listened to. Um, and if you just want like a quick palatable plant a day uh, and hear some interesting things, or maybe introduce you to a new new plant. Uh, check it out. It's you can get it on most places. It's not as readily available as Native Plants Healthy Planet, but most in the major, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you can get uh, Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran on there. So um, I do have a take it or leave it, and it's it's one that's not a clear take it or leave it. But one of the discussions that we we've had, and we've had we have this conversation frequently. Is how local is too local local when referring to ecotype? Um, because there are eco regions, and we we collect our own seed and grow the plants from that seed. But and and we're proud of that, and that's part of why people do mm-hmm. business with us. But how local is too local? Like how how difficult are you making it by going by eco region when you're close to another eco region mm-hmm. like we're eco region i think is it 84 Dude, and to 80, be honest right? i don't even know what eco region we are you know we we border eco eco region 59 mm-hmm. um I, I i know we're in the 80s i i yeah. can't remember the the number and we should probably know that i i think and, it's and it's, it's eco yeah. region 83 or eco region 84 um uh but I think that might even summarize how how much we think about eco regions specifically, yeah. like that specific measurement as a, a way of showing um, for for plants and all that. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, so it's I'm I'm gonna do a look a quick. Oh, I'm look. doing two. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm seeing we are in fact eighty four. Eighty four hours. Okay. I was right. Okay, so um, you know, but we border on eco region fifty nine. Uh, mm-hmm. um, fifty nine and then sixty four as well. Yeah. So and then sixty three below us. So and and it's there's there's always a little crossover. So like if you're and and. It's pretty broad where we're at, but if you look at certain parts of the country, like there's multiple eco regions. Mm-hmm. So, are, are you are you doing a disservice by narrowing it up too much to making it to where it's almost impossible? Like you'd have yeah. to have growers in each region or seed source in each yeah. region to supply that and promote that, or is it is it good enough to say, hey, we're within a fifty mile radius of? Of where you're at, and just to to put that in a little bit more perspective with the whole eco region thing is New Jersey, uh, as small of a state it is, is has four eco regions, eighty four being the largest, yeah, um, and that's basically the southern part of the state. It almost follows the exact line for like South Jersey, North Jersey yeah. debate. Um, just our neighbor to the west, Pennsylvania, has eight, yeah, and and that's still not a very big state. Um, and you have eight different eco regions, and uh, some some folks are asking that you have things that are specific to, like yeah. you would have a seed source for each eco region. Um, no, if you're just, like the difference between yeah. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, I think it's four and a half hours. I want to say uh, probably hours? closer to six. Six yeah. hours. Okay, so like I understand the difference between like Philadelphia mm-hmm. and you're you're in different. You're in different uh, regions, mm-hmm. um, you know, because New Jersey, you do have. We're mostly coastal plain, but you do have Piedmont, you yep. do have Ridge and Valley, and I'm trying to remember the other one um, in there. I think there's uh, another. Uh, yeah, I forget. I, I can't remember what it is, but you you have these different regions which have different plant material. Like for where we're at, what's native in Pittsburgh? There's some crossover, but it's mm-hmm. not a like a large amount there's definitely plants that are native there that aren't native here so it's uh you know but where you have that closeness like we're not that far off from piedmont an hour mm-hmm. you know yeah and there's crossover like are you saying that where we collected seed isn't good enough an hour north of here like mm-hmm. i don't know I, and that's the hard part where it gets really tricky is uh and i i wish i had the actual study but um there was a, a study done in Iowa where they took uh, a plant and compared like the same species of plant, uh, one sample from like the farthest northwest corner of the state yeah. and one from like the farthest southeast corner of the state and compared the, the genetics, compared the DNA, and um, and then took one a sample, again, from the southeast uh, corner of the state, but one of the samples was all the way down at the, like the bottom kind of in like a, a somewhat wetland area and the other one was 300 feet higher in elevation but they were maybe it was like one basically a slope one was at the top of the slope one was at the bottom they were a few hundred feet apart and the two that were a few hundred feet apart were more genetically different than the ones that were completely across the state wow. um so it's it's when I've talked I actually talked to Dr. Dwayne Estes about this quite a bit and he's like it's just so you want to pay attention to it, but it's different for every plant species, and it's different. Like you could have something where from every from the one tip of New Jersey to the other is is really similar, but then you could not. You could take something that's two hundred miles apart in 
Nebraska, and they're completely different. So it's just like from species to species, from state to state. So it's really it's something to pay attention to and and keep in mind. And that's this ecoregion yeah. system isn't trying to be perfect. It's just trying to give a little bit of guidance. Well, just uh, here's here's something that I thought was interesting. So if you look up New Jersey, you were saying there were four mm-hmm. eco sea yeah. eco regions. But if you were to break it down into subregions, there's 17 subregions oh, yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah. I'm just going to go through it real quick. Intercoastal Plain, Glaciated Triassic Lowlands, Passaic Basin, Freshwater Wetlands, Delaware River Terraces and Uplands, Low Poconos, Southern New England Coastal Plains and Hills, Northern Shale Valleys, Barrier Island and Coastal Marshes, Pine Barrens, Northern Glaciated Ridges, Northern Glaciated Limestone Ridges, Valleys and Terraces, Northern Glaciated Shale and uh, Slate Valleys, Northern Glaciated Limestone Valleys, Northern Limestone Dolomite Valleys, Hackensack Meadowlands, Trap Rock and Conglomerate Uplands, Triassic Lowlands, Glaciated Redding Prong, Hudson Highlands, and Redding Prong Highlands. Atlantic Highlands was the other region I was thinking of earlier Mm -hmm. when I was saying uh, Piedmont. Um, So – if you broke it down into that, like obviously if you're collecting coastal marshes, that's not going to be native to other areas mm-hmm. in the state. But like if you were to break it down that much, is it even feasible? It's not. You'd have to have someone capable of having collection sites in all of those just mm-hmm. to provide New Jersey, which isn't necessarily feasible yeah. if you're trying to get native plants into a uh, a larger numbers. There's already a lack of native plants available to homeowners that would want to plant native mm-hmm. plants. We hear that all the time. I just and we we understand. Listen, we we promote local provenance all the time, and it's important in what we do, and that's how we operate our business. Just how narrow is too narrow? That's yeah. my question. Yeah, and uh, I don't think anyone really has an answer. There's going to be people who have way different opinions. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the, I've talked to the people who help set some of this stuff up, and they don't think it's a perfect system. They know it's not a perfect system. There were other people working on seed transfer zones, and they're like, hey, this is just a model. Um, and we're trying to see how we can best apply the model that it, it'll work generally, but not for everything. Um, and that was what they had to keep reminding people is like, this is not the rule. <laughs> this is no, this is just a and, model. And, but uh, yeah, we, it's something to keep in mind, but it's like, it's. There are people who really try and make, say, no, this is this is what we need to abide by, and I don't agree with them. And you you can speak better of this than I, but we've seen like a call for contract growing a founder's plots where they don't want certain plants within a certain mile radius of the founder's plots because of co um, – not contamination, but because they can hybridize. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily pop or that's not necessarily it's hard to say what you have within a five mile radius of that founder's plot, and it's yeah. just as hard to say that that doesn't happen in nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's. Would you agree? Like, is that is that too narrow? Oh, like five miles? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. It, it's um, and the other thing that complicates things is, it, like in our case, we're a yeah. for profit business. Um, there's nonprofits that do this too, but people aren't just doing this like out of the goodness of their hearts. They are to an extent, but mm-hmm. you're not. People still need to have a job to to make a living so they can afford their mortgage yeah. and or, or apartment yeah. or rent and and grocery <laughs> bill and all that kind of stuff. If everyone could just do this just for 
for and not have to worry about those things, I think we could get a lot further. Yeah. But it's um oh, in a perfect world, yeah. I'm for all of it. Oh yeah, in, in a perfect world, that's, if it was a, that's all the compounding thing. Is yeah. it's um no, I look at us with Planet's Nursery and it's like okay, well, we're trying to be easy to do business with. We supply like a high quality plant. Yeah. Is what is two of our main goals. Yeah. Uh, we try and have it at the right price. So, and this is the conversations that I've had with some of these in some of these discussions. Like, if I like, if I'm a buyer and I have two choices, and one is is a closer or the right eco region, but I try and call them and they never pick up the phone, or they e- I email them, they never email me back. Their uh, inventory online is out of date. They, I finally get an order through, and they ship me the wrong stuff, and they charge me an arm and a leg, and uh, and half the plants were dead when they showed up. Like, or B is the stuff is a little bit outside of my region, but they're really attentive to my needs. They're they're willing to work with me. The price is really good. Uh, when I order, it's shipped right away. It's the right stuff. It's really high quality. When you have those comparisons, it's like well. It's where do you actually – it's a, it's a scale, and it's like yeah. what's more important to you? Is the ecoregion or is that – I shouldn't say ecoregion. Is the locality of that plant what's more important, or is it the, everything else? And that's where it gets really tricky because even then it's like, oh, well, they they lied to me about all this other stuff, so how do I even know this is the right ecoregion? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a <clears throat> tricky, tricky subject. It's something I think we need – we've talked about this. Yeah. We need to consider but not necessarily – it's on the list of things to consider, but it's not the only thing we consider. And, and we're not being dismissive. We understand the importance of this, and we're not saying that it's not important or that it's meaningless. Yeah. I we we fully understand the importance of this, and at, like Tom was saying, it's like how scalable is it before you're damaging the like. <sighs> If, if you make it so difficult that the average home – like we, you talked about the podcast. You wanted people to be able to come away with something and have it mm-hmm. be listenable and, yeah. and pull something away. If you were to throw that eco-region map at a homeowner that's talking about getting native plants for their property and you explain to them all the things that are important, how, how fast before they go, oh, this is too complicated for me. I don't – you know, I'll just take whatever. You know, and that's that's part of my concern. Um not saying it's not important. It's just without making it too convoluted or too difficult for the average homeowner to get started with native plants. Yeah, and I guess yeah. I'm, I'm happy if we, they get. I some. think we've even done this one before. Have we really? I think we may have because ah. I feel like I've said the same thing. It's a really hard from from our perspective. Like I, we think it's important, but it's a really hard thing to not step on your toes when you're trying to be realistic at the same time. Yeah. And say, well, but how important when it, can it be when you have all these other factors? Just like a business factors in yeah. there. Um, I, I think we did local provenance, but not broken yeah. it down to the 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 point of eco region. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's yeah, it's I tr- without trying to diminish it. Mm-hmm. I understand the importance, but yeah. I feel if you narrow it up too much, you're creating too much. Mm-hmm. I don't, not confusion, but it it just yeah. makes it that much more difficult for someone to try to do the right thing. Yeah, for yeah, for me, it's just it's not the end of the day. If I can't find, or the eco region isn't the one, the top of the list. Yeah, it's on the list, but um, but there's a handful of other things that that go along. One of my one of the things on my list for almost anything outside of plants is can I order online? Do I have to call someone or email someone to get it, or can yeah. I just go online and buy it and and know that it's going to show up? Like 
that's one of the things that's pretty high on my list is is convenience of yeah. of of uh ordering and um and that's whether it's a pizza I, or plants. And I do think mm-hmm. it does vary depending on the purpose. Like I, I would treat a large scale restoration differently yeah. than I would a homeowner that's looking to plant five natives. Mm-hmm. You know, large scale yeah. restoration, I I think it's important to try to, you're you're trying to restore the natural functions and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the local local provenance or local ecotype that's going to help best help reach that goal. But if someone wants to plant a blue flag iris on their property, I'm happy if it's not the right ecoregion if it means they plant that plant and not a non-native or mm-hmm. an invasive. How's yeah. that? Close enough? Yeah, I good. think that's – yeah, I think that's good. All right, good. So, All right, cool. Um, yeah, so thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Thank you, Art. Thank you, RJ Comer, for our Buzz theme music. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music uh, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music, or check out his uh, Americana playlist on Pandora. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or at Pinelands Nursery, and also at YouTube. Uh, Tom's been doing some fantastic YouTube shorts. Uh, on Pinelands Nursery YouTube page, which is you just at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, so make sure you check those out. Uh, check out or make sure you call the question or comment line at 215-346-6189. I will repeat, 215-346-6189. You don't have to be Saul or Doom or Dr. Evil to call. Uh, call and uh, ask a question or leave a comment, and we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group has been wonderful as always, and I can't thank everyone enough for being a part of it. So you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. We have T-shirts, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. Someone just picked up a couple phone cases I saw. The oh, other really? Day. That's awesome. So, and, uh, and we don't keep any of the money from that. We basically take the profits and give it to um, organizations that we think are doing a really good job, and we – Got to go and visit Bowman's Hill now. That, now this stuff's the check right is around there. The check is time. on my desk. Yep. So uh, now, yeah, it's a good excuse to for us to go and see some uh, some some cool native yes. plants, some spring ephemerals. Ooh, right now is a good time. Yeah, so, we should go so, visit um, before we get too busy. Yeah, as well. that's true. So um, you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet uh, also on that same website, but you probably listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. You're already doing that because you're listening to me right now. Yeah. But what you may not have done, uh, and actually statistically speaking, I know most of you have not done this, is left a five-star review and given us a little write-up. Maybe you haven't even subscribed. If you can do all three of those things, it goes a long, long way to not only just making us feel good about ourselves, but promoting the message of Native Plants to others because it helps us show up in on different charts and, and higher up in uh, when people are scrolling through app podcasts saying, hey, I want to listen to something about gardening or, or nature. We'll show up higher on that list, maybe above a big, Bigfoot podcast or two uh, well, next time we look. I don't <laughs> think we're above any Bigfoot podcast right now. So, um, And uh, Fran. Yes. I have oh, – I guess, yeah, I'll use this as a secret. I have kind of okay. two quasi-secrets. Do you have a secret? I have nothing. I have – well, first one is uh, is directly for one of our listeners, Deborah Rosenthal, um, and I'm I'm keep keep forgetting to say or tell you in advance that I've been in Nashville twice now, and <laughs> I haven't asked you to come and check out your property. Um, the last time was in what mid early February, yeah. so that I was like, uh, 
and I ended up getting caught up with some other stuff and was too busy. But um, the first time I was like, oh, that would have been a good idea to try and stop in. So, but I do have plans, uh, I, I, ambitions, I should say, not plans, ambitions to go back to Nashville. So I will make sure I I hit you up next time. There you go, and um, and get to check out all the meadows and prairies you have because it looks really really cool just through Facebook pictures. And the second one is another longtime listener of ours, and this is more of a thank you, is uh, to Alyssa Lewis. We talk about her a lot. Yes, we do. But she sent me a message just yesterday saying, hey, I saw on your wife's Instagram something that wasn't very typical of her posts and uh, just wanted to let you know because she might have been hacked. <laughs> and uh, it was true. She was hacked. Wow. And um, she's not a Bitcoin miner. Uh, she is <laughs> She is uh, still my wife and is not wearing a hard hat and singing hi-ho. Um, but, yeah, she – her. Her Instagram got hacked, and she actually got, like, a ransom text this morning. Really? Yeah, they want a 1000 bucks to buy her Instagram back. She's going through all the Instagram posts. What these people do, this is, if you haven't done it, this is, this is my real secret that you should do. I started doing it today. Go on your Instagram, set up two-factor authentic, authentic, yes. uh, authentication, because that's what these people do when they hack your Instagram account, is they change your password, set up two-factor uh, two authentication, and then you can't get back in. Yeah. And Instagram has this thing, oh, it's like, oh, well, since you don't know the the authentication, you can do this thing where you record a video of yourself, like, turning your head around to make sure you're a real person. Um, she's done it eight times, and it still hasn't worked. Wow. You know, so, I, just got an, I just got an email yesterday. I'm assuming it's real, but I, I don't know, from Twitter saying they're doing away with two-factor authentication, yeah. and it's only going to be for that Blue members because yep. they yep. figure that there's so many other applications. But uh, listen, you know I've had an issue with identity theft mm -hmm. and, and being hacked that I have two-factor authentication turned on for everything. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say, I got an email, and I think it was real, and it was one of those ones where it was like, ooh, we've been watching you through your webcam, and we know, we know, <laughs> we what, know you've what you've been, been your doing history. at work. <laughs> we know what you've been doing at work. <laughs> but, oh. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Coming up next week, we have uh, our Ode to Horticultural Therapy Week with Lori DePrado, and uh, we hope you tune in, and then we'll see you again next time, and until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.